death. We win. Nobody wins. Have any more of your men died? We can't be killed. There's an alien aboard. It wants us alive. But no doubt you will reassemble after I have hacked you to bits. Hello and welcome to SnapTrack, the Star Trek podcast where we compare two episodes of the universe's premier science fiction franchise, Star Trek. I am one of your hosts, Ross Webster, and I am joined by Jen Tift. Hello, Jen. Hi, Ross. Hi, everyone. How are you? I'm doing well, as always. Good. Excited to be here today. Of course. There's nothing better to do. (laughs) To me, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. That sounded, but... <laughs> that sounded flippant, but I really meant it. It came from the heart. <laughs> oh, it's always good to to chat with you. Thank you very much. Uh, today, we are so pleased to also be joined by a special guest, uh, yeah. Catherine Robinson. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be on Snaptrack. An absolute pleasure. It's It's so nice to have people come on and talk to just more people to talk to talk to about star trek it's great to have you on and really nice for you to come on the reason you're invited on was because you went to the trouble of suggesting two episodes to be compared and also provided a long list of of categories to compare with so it's just like job done i just can't resist (laughs) doing star trek homework (laughs) no that's it Star Trek homework is the best, isn't it? It's the best, yep. Absolutely. Well, we, we really loved your suggestion, so we're very excited to Aww, talk about you. this comparison today. And glad to have you on. I can't wait to get so. stuck in. <laughs> so just go through and let everyone know how you can get in touch with the show. Uh, you can have uh, you can contact SnapTrek and suggest your own episodes to compare and provide your own categories, potentially. Um via Twitter, at SnapTrack. Or you can contact me, uh, Taborg, at strtrk1701. Jen? Yeah, and you can get a hold of me on Twitter also. I'm at edequarks. And Catherine, how can people contact you? Yeah, Twitter's probably best for me as well. I am the Sorceress. <laughs> that is a great name. It's a, it's a good handle, the Sorceress. Very clever. Oh, thank you. I think more people know me as that than know me as Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are recording in December 2019 and could discuss any episode up to the end of Discovery Season 2. Potentially. Very unusual. I don't think I know this game. What's it called? Chula. What are the rules? Every week, we compare two episodes of Star Trek using a variety of categories. And for each category, we select a scene or character or idea or prop, which we think is great. And we award a point to the answer, which we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. Though Snap Trek is a competition where we award points, it's just played for fun. There are no prizes or trophies. The real aim is to have a great conversation about Star Trek and perhaps look at the episodes in a new way. And today we are waging eternal war and comparing two episodes which see our protagonists forced by unseen powers to engage in endless undying battle. Jen, which episode did you watch this week? 
That sounds pretty heavy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, they they are pretty heavy, I guess. Uh, the episode I I was lucky enough to watch uh, TOS season three episode seven, Day of the Dove. Okay. And Catherine, as our as our special guest and person who brought these episodes to our attention as comparisons, which episode did you watch? I watched Deep Space Nine. I think it's season one, episode twelve, Battle Lines. Aha. Uh-huh. And having watched these two episodes together, it's it's uncanny how much similarity there is between the two broad ideas of ongoing battle and conflict resolution. It it really was a surprise, but what a, a great spot to bring up as a comparison. Yeah, I was reading. Um, I was reading about battle lines, and it looks like the writer. Let me see if I can find his name. A second, um, uh, Hillary uh, Hillary J. Bader. Uh, it looks like he actually took inspiration from Day of the Dove when he wrote Battle Lines. So I think my oh, spotting the the similarities was was perhaps his intention. So uh, yeah. Seems okay, like was, fantastic. It was destined for Meant the start. to be compared. <laughs> so, it's inter- oh, no, oh, sorry, go, go for it. No, go for it. Go ahead, never mind. I'm going to save it for later. Okay, all right. Okay. Going uh, gonna to be a po- points worthy comment, was it? All right, <laughs> then. <laughs> Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. As ever, we begin each podcast with a lyrical recap of the episodes under discussion. Jen, would you please give us your lyrical recap of Day of the Dove? Okay. All right. I did a limerick for this one. Just kind of interesting to do a limerick for a, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit heavier of an episode, but but I went for it. <laughs> okay. All right. This poem is called The Feast. Ooh, we never have titles for our poems. I think you've just I think <laughs> yes. you just made a new thing for us to do every week. Oh my god. I'm sat yes. here thinking, my poem doesn't have a title. Was it supposed to have a title? <laughs> ah! we, we, we've never done titles. They've never had titles. I'm loving it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I don't even know why. I just <laughs> all right. Okay. They think these Klingons are really suspicious, and that this Federation is truly quite vicious. What a huge stroke of luck! The match was already struck. Their aggression is truly delicious. That's very good. That's that's very good. Succinctly brought it all together. And rhyming delicious. That's very good. Very hard to do. I don't know why I uh, had it from the point of view of the evil orb of light. but evil swirl. The old swirl of light, but <laughs> I guess good. I really am just hungry. <laughs> but all right, okay. And Catherine, you don't. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, your recap of battle lines. Okay, but mine isn't clever. Mine's just yeah, not clever. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it already. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> The Kai took a trip from Bajor. She'd never left the planet before. Through the wormhole they went, to hell they were sent, and the Kai could go home no more. 
It's good. Oh. I like it. Oh, poor guy. I know. Oh, I love her. It so focuses much. on. I know. It focuses on the really sad bit of the episode. Yeah. But the tragedy. I couldn't get oh. anything to rhyme with differential magnanima. oh man oh kyle parker that was good i really like that it was good thank you thank you um lighthearted so (laughs) so these two episodes do focus on uh an eternal battle this battle is only going to be five rounds long so you don't have to worry too much about being resurrected at the end of it um but we'll start off with round one um I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go straight to the episode, actually. So I'm gonna go for best guest star. Jen, do you want to start us off with best guest star? Okay, sure. So I, there's really, you know, two choices here. We have um, my runner-up is Susan Howard, who uh, is Mara, who is the first female Klingon that we ever see, which is so that's pretty cool. And she, you know, it's cool. She's a science officer. She's the runner up, though, because she doesn't really like do as much as I would like. I I remember really liking this character when I was younger, probably just because it was just so cool to see, you know, female Klingon, and <laughs> and she looks amazing. Yep. Her costume is 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 really cool, and then her makeup, you know, like that. With I love those those feather eye that feather eyeshadow she has is really cool. Uh, but you know, but when I watch it now, like she doesn't. I, I wish she would do. She had more to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. She yeah. I mean, she towards the end of the episode, she works quite hard, and she convinces uh, her husband not to have a, an initial fight with Kirk when they're trying to like forge an alliance at the very end. Yeah, she tries to convince him. She yeah. does it. But, you know, she's cool, but she's just my runner up because uh, I really enjoy uh, Michael and Zara as Kang, the future Dahar master, Kang, <laughs> yes. in this episode. <laughs> um, I, I, I like how he, I like him as a Klingon captain because he doesn't play it as like of of over the top, like villain. You know, he just is a captain. You know, mm-hmm. he's very methodical and very matter of fact with, with with how he runs his crew and and you know his plans for the you know and he does really uh, one up Kirk in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, he manages to take over engineering and and cut off their life support and but he does it very methodically. He's not like a caricature of a villain, no. which I like. You know what and, I mean? Like, well, which I think of, is kind of the point of the episode. One yeah, of the one of the strengths you but. think is that actually you could reverse the roles of perhaps mm-hmm. the Klingons and the Starfleet in this, and the story might play out quite similarly. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't necessarily change so much because the the whole point is they've both got aggressive tendencies, perhaps one more than the other, but the right. human the humans of the Federation were certainly able to, to put up a good fight and could get angry when they needed to. Right. His uh, the reading of, of certain lines, you could see he's got like a dry sense of humor, which is kind of funny for a Klingon too, uh, you know. And then he t- he tells the the you know the ball of light at the end, you know, we need no uh, urging to hate humans, you know, like, <laughs> we hate, you know, like we hate them enough on our own. We don't need yeah. you, you know, like we can. <laughs> and it's just his, his delivery of that is funny, and and I think I think he's really I I like the way he plays it, so it's not like. 
it's not like just oh the klingons are bad guys and the federation's the good guys and you know uh so that's my pick for best guest star he is a good pick and uh i, I mean as a, as a characters go a very popular klingon to select yeah i love his line uh, only a fool fights in a burning house <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> that's for Klingon sayings. Exactly. That was a good. The other one I picked up was a a, a, a single man, can, a running man, can kill four thousand men in one night. I was like that. <laughs> that I thought that's a that's a hell of a saying, and that guy must be running a lot. Four thousand people in one night. <laughs> They're Klingons. Just what they do. Line, yeah. line the victims up. Yeah. <laughs> exaggerate, yep, exaggerate. <laughs> but and then of course it's it's just cool we get to see him again in deep space nine i yes. love that they bring back the the big three dahar masters <laughs> and blood oath so it good. was really good to see him again actually oh yeah so i had i had to pick him actually thinking about the two of them they must be the parents of the son who was named mm-hmm. dax dax yep it's just so much fun to think about that they had a son named Dax. Oh my god, that is and right. sad. <laughs> that is yeah, bizarre. It, it just occurred to me, and I had to, I had to look weird. it up. You know, which of the Klingons was it who had the son, and and it was it was Kang. Yep. So it must have been those two. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is so weird. It's nice that actually these episodes are actually connected beyond that, beyond just the fact that the themes are similar. Actually, yeah. the the plot lines are going to feed into each other as well. You know. Brought you know very 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 loosely very, in the fact that yeah. they're they're same series well, same series, <laughs> <The> series. yeah series <laughs> well, well then too you know like they go from he goes from this you know against the federation in the original series to you know naming his son after <laughs> mm. a, you know federation citizen you know Curzon so yeah. It's kind of interesting, an interesting uh, trajectory for for Kang and Moira. I guess they're both, uh, yeah, ca- character development. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Catherine, what's your uh, pick for round one best guest star? I think I'm also going to have to have a a winner and a runner up. Um, mm-hmm. I have to mention Jonathan Banks as uh, yes. Shella, the the leader of the Ennis. Um, just because it blows my mind every time I watch this now that Mike from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul <laughs> is in Star Trek. And <laughs> it just messes with my head every single time. And <laughs> he is and and every time I watch it, I think, yeah, he's got that same gravitas. You know, that voice is so he's got such a presence. Mm-hmm. Um he's very memorable. You know, even when I hadn't seen this episode for years. You know, I, I still very clearly remembered the leader of, of these aliens um, that were locked in eternal conflict. And and now I, I kind of feel as though I know why, <laughs> because it's this guy who, yeah. you know, commands such, I suppose, respect and has such presence in this other show. Um, when he says to, when Bashir wants to go back to the runabout to fix the computer and, and, you know, analyze what's going on. Um, and he says, oh, you know, I will, you know, we will ensure this or I will ensure his safety or something. I'm like, yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's like I trust him <laughs> to ensure his safety. <laughs> he's a he is quite. He's obviously very used to being a leader and used to having his commands obeyed. Also, he's quite because un- I know that he's the actor from uh, Breaking Bad, but he's almost unrecognizable, really, under all the like the war wounds mm. and the makeup. It's hard to actually see it's him. It sounds just like him, and the attitude is very similar. But man, it's hard to tell sometimes. A lot of hair as well. That was the other thing. He's got lots of hair coming out the top. There. Yeah, that's going to throw you off, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, I mean, so he's 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 very battle uh, hardened, but he's not defeated. Even though he's in this situation, that's just like there's no way out. This endless fight, and he, but he's not. He's never. Mm-hmm. He never sounds defeated. You know, he's still their leader. He's still ready to go. He's yeah. He's an interesting character, and yeah, I can't think of I can't think of a better actor they could have picked no. <laughs> to play him. Uh, but I I'd, I'd have to put as my winner um, Camille is it Saviola uh, as Kyle Parker. Yes. I mean, talk about presence. Um, you know, mm-hmm. these two kind of vie for stealing the the whole episode, don't they? Um, <laughs> just she <laughs> so embodies that spiritual person that is the Kai. You know, and and then it it just makes you. With hindsight, it makes me sad that you know we get another Kai, which really doesn't have that going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it makes it yeah. even worse going from what they had before to yeah, going <laughs> back and watching it. Oh. I'm just like, oh, I, I feel the loss. Yeah. And yes. yeah, yeah. I, I think even though we've only seen her in Emissary and this episode, you feel that loss. It's yeah. It's so early, and I didn't realize it was so early on in season one mm. that we lost her. I thought she had more of a presence before then because she, as you say, she's like a big character, isn't she? You know the Kai. You 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 really feel her. You really feel it when she's gone because her absence creates this vacuum, which is filled by all sorts of other awful people. Well, not all awful, but uh, it's a big deal. But to, for her to only be in such a few few episodes, she has a big impact mm. in that few episodes. Yeah, her character just reverberates throughout so much of the series. Mm-hmm. You forget how few episodes she was in. She's, she's like you said that pre- she has that presence. Like it's it's so you can't you can't like force that. It takes a really special actor to to turn you know a character into someone who's just so larger than life mm. in such a short amount of time. And Kaiopak is so awesome, and I love her so much. I know. <laughs> She's so great. It, maybe it's because you're always comparing the, 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 the people who adopt her position next, especially Kai Wynn. You're comparing them to each other. And, of course, Kai Packer always comes out on top because she is so good and she literally followed the prophets to her destiny and was you know pleased to do it. didn't seem put out by the fact that her life and death, as such as it was, is taking such an unusual twist. She was happy just to be doing good work and following the will of the prophets. And you know when you compare to other people, particularly Kai Wynn, she wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have followed that through you. You're always comparing, always always seeing one and reflecting the other. Definitely. She has a she has a serenity uh that very few Bajorans have. <laughs> you know, mm. and and and, she, and she's she's so wise, but but very like very quiet in her wisdom 
You know, she keeps everything very close to her chest, all of her cards close to her to, to her chest, especially in this episode. You know, when mm-hmm. she gives I, I, I always remember the scene where uh, she tells O'Brien like, oh, you have a daughter. Right. You know, how does she know that? She just knows everything. You know? <laughs> she, but, and then she says, give her this, you know, because she knows she's not coming back. And, you know, she just you know, gave it to who, who mm-hmm. knows why or what, you know, yeah. what the plan is, but, but it's just, ah, oh, that's such an, an, an interesting scene, but yeah, Kyle Parker, which is awesome. Kyle Parker is a good choice for battle lines because there are, there's yeah. so many, there is lots of guests in uh, battle lines who make like more than just a, you know, a, a line here or a line there, but she is, she's the big one, isn't she? She's the big guest. Yeah. Okay. This is tough actually. So it's going to come down to points. Jen, where'd you throw your point down? So 100% Kyle Paca. Camille Saviola. What Camille Saviola managed to do with that character in the very few appearances she had was really incredible. Definitely. That's definitely where my point's going. Love her. Okay. That's one for Kyle Paca. Uh, Catherine, where's your point going? It's going to be two for Kyle Parker. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how can you argue with that? Just, I don't think her character would have reverberated in the same way had it been someone else. I, I think just that performance is yeah. perfect. Well, you know, Kang was one of the big three, but Kyle Parker, she is the main one. <laughs> I'm going to have to give my point to Kaya Packer as well. I didn't see this happening on the first Sweet. round. It's a clean sweep for Kaya Packer. Um, but she she was a great guest character. And she's just a great character who has, has had a massive impression on Star Trek, despite only being in a handful of episodes. Uh, yes. So well done. Well done, Kaya Packer. <laughs> I want her to give me a hug and tell me everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I really do. I love that character so much. Yes, <laughs> she's one of she's one of my favorite uh, Deep Space Nine. You know, I guess what would you call that reoccurring character? Yeah, but she's so great. I guess, uh, but I guess you're right, especially when you c- compare it to what they end up with. Oh, they go from having Kyle Pak as their le- leader to Kai Win. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. that's so awful. I know. <laughs> And I the repercussions of losing her in this episode. Yeah, yeah. they they go out all the all the yeah, way to that's the a end. Good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Man, an important there's character. No way, there's no way Gold Ducott would have, you know, charmed his way in there. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh man, no way. She don't have none of that. No. She'd see right through that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh man. All right. Well, I'm clean at, sleep. I'm on that gross note, let's move on to <laughs> let's move on to round oh, two. Always lower the tune. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look for the best, oh, or the the greatest sense of jeopardy in your episode. So, uh, Catherine, why don't you go first? What was the greatest sense of jeopardy in Day of the uh, in uh, Battle Lines? Okay, um, so I think I think it really dawns on me when um cisco has got the two warring factions together to to talk and he's told them that you know you can leave if you just you know stop fighting (laughs) until Mm -hmm. then and (laughs) 
then you know it all breaks down and they start fighting and Bashir just kind of barrels in and pushes Cisco out of the way and he's like we can't afford to die here not even once <laughs> you know like that is a normal thing to say <laughs> <laughs> but we're totally bought into this concept during the episode and we're like oh, why why is it so oh my god what's happened you know what have you found out and uh, yeah and, and in that moment right. we're like oh okay no oh no the guy's gonna have to stay and it's just all bad and yeah that, right because Bashir says that you're like oh no yeah <laughs> you're like you're like he says that it's true yeah. you know <laughs> this whole yeah. thing is ridiculous <laughs> So you, you automatically know it's true, and then yeah, and then it, you have that sense of dawning that like, oh no, Kai Opaka, yeah. I, yeah, oh, that's a great moment. I love that moment. And that it really, picked. yeah, the pit of your stomach comes away when you think, yeah. okay, resurrection technology that's going to be really useful, but it's <laughs> going to be you know squarely within the confines of this very unpleasant looking planet, uh, and then controlled solely by the war satellites that are orbiting. Um, not a wonderful not the wonderful technology that uh, we we thought it was going to be. So that is a nice sense of jeopardy. You've got the action and you've got the tearing down of what we thought was good about where they were. A good choice. Uh, Jen, what was your, what's the, what was your greatest sense of jeopardy in day of the dove? Okay. So, you know, day of the dove, you know, you, you, the enterprise of Lord, to this place and so were the Klingons so you already know that there's some other, and you, you know you see the ball of light so you already know that there's some other force mm-hmm. you know starting to mani- manipulate everyone um, and you know other things happen you see you, you know they they start going out of control warp 9 you know the bulkheads close uh, you know trapping most of the crew you know in the lower decks and 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 uh, you know people are starting to get more and more aggressive and and this you know so you know that you know you know that something is manipulating the situation but you don't know you don't really know what the motivation is yet mm-hmm. until my moment of je- uh, sense of jeopardy which is my moment is the first time that random objects uh, turn into swords mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have. <laughs> So you have, you know, okay. So so you have Kirk and and Kang and and they're and they're arguing, and and you know it's getting more and more heated. And then all of a sudden, you look on the table and where there was a, a game, all of a sudden it's a sword. Where there's a potted plant, now there's a sword. You know, like their faces <laughs> turn into swords. <laughs> and the fact, I'm sorry, but that's kind of creepy because now you know that the motivation for this thing is. To get them to fight each other, yeah, it's violence, and getting to yeah. fight in, in, in a in a brutal, like primitive way, you know, just laying out all these swords everywhere, and and knowing that what's going to happen is that they're going to start using them on each other. Like that's a real that moment. I, I mean, it's <laughs> a little bit of it gets taken away by that funny sound effect that they always use when something <laughs> <Yeah>. magical happens. <laughs> <laughs> it always, it always, yeah, the boing. <laughs> it yeah. always reminds me of like, like when I dream of Jeannie, like, like boings her head. <laughs> you know, it's not the same sound effect, but it's that same, like, oh, something magical just happened. You know? <laughs> so that takes a little bit away from the sense of jeopardy, but, um, but, but the actual ramifications of what's actually happening is actually really creepy. 
Mm. And and the fact that that's his motivation is that he he wants them to brutalize each other with these primitive weapons is really, really creepy and awful. And yeah, that's my biggest sense of Jeopardy moment. Yeah, it, it is a it is a really unpleasant thing to think you're being manipulated to be violent towards to be violent and to have yeah. violence perpetrated yeah. against you. Um, although it is a convenient clue to the fact that something unusual is going on and it's not just everyone's really, really cross with each other and are going to have a big fight. Right. So they're being manipulated right. and this is the evidence really that something bizarre is happening and yeah. everything's transmuting into a into some like <laughs> Roman style swords. Uh, okay. Two two Japad uh, I'm not sure what the plural of Jeopardy is. Two uh <laughs> <laughs> two senses of two, jeopardy. Two senses. Two senses of jeopardy. Providing <laughs> uh, here, uh, Catherine, where is your uh, jeopardy point going? Double jeopardy, if you will. What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what, what point? Where's your point going to go? This is really difficult for me. Mm. This is a tough yeah. one. It's hard. I think. Oh, I mean, there's more. I feel like there's more people uh, and I guess more people that I care about in danger in Day of the Dove, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so, so that is like, oh, you know, all these people that, you know, we've grown to care about over, you know, are doomed to kind of, you know, have fight this horrible kind of war. But then also there is that faith, oh, well, they will get, you know, they're smart enough to get out of this. And it feels like it is something that you could get out of. Whereas in, battle lines it's like well if you die that's it there's no getting out of it and that feels very definite and when he says it you already know that kaya packer has died and that whatever it is he's discovered definitely applies to her so you do get that sort of immediate yeah because you've already thought oh she's not a red shirt there's got to be some way around this and then she comes back and you're like oh yeah i was right i know star trek (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's the carpet gets like whipped out from under you um yeah i think i've talked myself into battle lines again <laughs> it sound it did sound that way I'm, I'm putting it down jen where does your uh where does your point go for a sense of jeopardy yeah this is this is a really really hard one for me too um uh so because in, in, in battle lines, it, it's, it's Captain Cisco is fighting like it's okay if he dies. Mm-hmm. Like he's totally. You can see the way he's fighting right before Bashir, you know, tackles him. You can tell he's, you know, kind of aware of the fact that well, if I die, I'll just come back to life yeah. and, and I'll be okay. <laughs> and then you know, Bashir tackles him and says, "No, no, no. Um, yeah, that's not." something that can happen and then it's like oh my god get my babies back to mm-hmm. safety <laughs> you, know, before, you know it happens um but i think i'm going to go with day of the dove for this one just because because i, I find it really i find the fact that he puts swords everywhere really really disturbing like this mm. whole thing is disturbing but the fact that i mean they whip out their phasers and the phasers turn into swords. And to me, yeah. that's like, because I mean, you hit someone with a phaser and they drop and and that's it. Like, it's not really like a blood, you know, like a bloody thing. You know what I mean? Thing? This is a lot more visceral and painful. Yeah, visceral. Yeah. Yes, visceral is the word. Yeah. The, the fact that he, he just put all these swords everywhere and he wants that, that visceral 
that gory, bloody, horrible, like painful. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I just hate it. that. That that moment gets me. Yeah, I, okay. I, my points for day of the dump. <laughs> but it's got You've made me think. There's a moment where Scotty is like choosing a sword, and it's like that one yes. has been put there just to appeal to him. Yeah, yeah. The, and, the Claymore. And so, Claymore. Oh, such a good scene. I <laughs> so love that bit. So disturbing that our characters are just are that close and that easily yes. manipulatable, you know, easy yeah. to manipulate that. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, every, every, every oh, time yeah. I get a Claymore in, uh, every time I find a Claymore in Breath of the Wild, I, I, say, I say what he said. I said, a Claymore, <laughs> you're a beauty. <laughs> That's <what's going> <laughs> it's just ingrained in my head. <laughs> But yeah, that's an excellent point, Catherine. Like that was put there specifically mm-hmm. to appeal to him. That's so creepy. Oh man, this this ball of light is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and at the end, it just wanders off. It just slopes yeah. off. Like no, this is work. And, I'll yeah. go and find somewhere else. Right. Yeah, you got to wonder what happened to him. Like, was he weak enough that he was defeated, or did he just go slink off to manipulate some other crew? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my point to. I do, Jen. I was very convinced by your day of the dark, the, the sort of the, the 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 violence that was being sort of suggested at the transformation. But I'm still feeling the 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 that it's also the in, in battle lines. You get the 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 re jeopardy of like death is a problem again, guys. Just don't <laughs> don't die. Remember, when we thought it was okay to die, you still can't die. And I really <laughs> do feel like that's it not just that they had discovered that, but that it was discovered during a firefight, just as Cisco right. uh, was about to get shot. So I think I'm going to give my point to battle lines on this occasion. Um, so looking points wise, after two rounds. Five points to battle lines, one point a day of the dove, but things still all turn around. Always time to resurrect and come back for another go. So, round three. We're going to go for, let's let's keep it lively. What was the best stunt? Uh, Jen, what was the best stunt in Day of the Dove? Okay, so all the stunts in this episode are basically the the sword fights, which mm. are actually pretty. They're pretty well choreographed. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the one in particular that I'm going to highlight is the Klingon takeover of engineering. Yes. Because it's pretty funny. Because there's the catwalk, and you see, it reminds me of um, the Morlocks in in the like the the 19 is it the 1960s uh, time machine movie mm-hmm. where they like jump onto the time machine to try to get the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, because it, they're like, they sneak on the, the, the Klingons sneak on the catwalk and then they do these pretty, these, these pretty great, like leaps off and, and take down the, you know, all the red shirt guys that are in engineering. And then, uh, you know, the, the, and then they get up and they fight Cl- Scotty, you know, uses his claymore. Yeah. <laughs> his favorite claymore. Uh, and, and has a little fight with two, two, two against one, which is pretty fun. Um, until they, you know, until they make their way out of engineering. And, uh, then the Klingons have engineering. It, it was a pretty, it was a pretty, um, 
a pretty funny little moment, stunt it, moment, I thought. It, it's a fun stunt. The leaping Klingons is, <laughs> the is leaping a fun Klingons. <laughs> and I didn't when I watched it, I didn't know. I was like, okay, they're sneaking. There's not a very Klingon thing to do to sneak. I thought they'd you'd be yelling oh, and shout. But they yeah. they sneaked. But then I, then I was like, they didn't hold back after that, did they? Full on jumping down, falling on the people. Uh, that's the, the that's one guy nice... takes out two, like yeah, <laughs> two at yeah. once. Yeah, he's a big guy, isn't he? He can get get two with one leap. Yeah, that's that's a good stunt. Pretty I good did, stunt. I, the sword fights are good. The, the sword fights yeah. with Kirk as well. I, I really yeah, enjoyed. It. I mean, by that point, he must have been an expert. Uh, Shatner at sword fighting does so much of it, but I, I really there enjoyed the sword. A, there was a lot of sword fighting for a series that took place takes place yes. in the future. Yes, <laughs> um, Catherine, where does your what was your best stunt in battle lines? Yeah, so I got completely distracted by um, this, this whole topic with battle lines because. I found this story uh, that was referenced on Memory Alpha, and it was from an an issue of Star Trek magazine. And okay. I own every issue of Star Trek magazine, so obviously I had to go back into the archive <laughs> <laughs> and find Love it. issue number one two seven from June July two thousand six. <laughs> and there was this little one pager on which of the Star Trek series was the favourite of the stunt performers. So I, I'm thinking this is stunt performers oh. in like 90s Trek uh, because they talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the next generation and Voyager and how, you know, they'd be like, oh yeah, we've got this fight scene and it would be kind of three people. Whereas on Deep Space Nine, you know, it would be like a whole room full of people or a whole cave full of people or whatever. <laughs> and the, the two episodes yeah. that really come up, in the well there's there's three episodes that really come up in this um little interview and it's battle lines uh, a blood oath and the way of the warrior um but yeah battle lines gets quite a lot um said about it and it seems that actually the director kind of handed over two days of fight scene action kind of to one of the stunt guys um uh, i think his name was what is it um Madelone, the the stunt guy, up to his surname. I can't. can't oh uh, yeah, I've seen him. He's in the start. He's on the uh, the documentary, isn't he? Oh yeah, you see him a lot in the documentary. I think. Yeah, he says that that's the only one that that they ever let me take over the whole set. The director, Paul Lynch, said, <laughs> "This is fights all day with the actors. Can you just direct it?" So I directed two days of first unit of all those battles. I was in the fights too, but I made sure I put myself in the back of the battle so I could cover myself separately and still direct all the action stuff. I kept going up to the director and saying, do you like it? And he would say, yeah, just print it. He was reading a magazine the whole time. It was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I just read that and I was like, that's amazing. Um, And yeah, it really made me think, God, yeah, how often do you see in other Trek a whole room or cave full of people just going at each other. That must be such uh, an, a feat of choreography. It must be like dancing yeah. or, or something. Um, yeah. and, and in both of these episodes, they have so many people. Because usually Star Trek's quite contained, isn't it? There's not usually loads and loads of people. On the more modern Star Trek, there are a lot more people. But there's not usually that many people in a, in a scene on Star Trek. But on these scenes, there's loads of people. So the choreography must have taken ages to manage. But I guess if they've got the uh, the mm. stunt guy and he knows what he's doing, yeah. just just give it to him. He can direct the episode. I think one, another thing that, that kind of stands out from after reading this, I then noticed it in the episode, um, was there's, there's kind of this 
prop that they use, this this weapon that they kind of made, uh, that the stunt guys made by taping the prototype from a cardboard blade, a ball and an old tool handle together to just create this kind of, <laughs> this, you know, obviously, I guess, fashioned weapon that they'd obviously made on this planet or something right. from whatever they could find to to do horrible things to their enemies. It's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty. Yeah, so I don't know if I have really any specific stunts. I, I just kind of had a story. Just a giant, <laughs> just every stunt. That is yeah, it. You should come every stunt in your answer. <laughs> very, very intelligently done. <laughs> um, okay. What are we thinking points-wise then, Jen? Where, where, where are you thinking you are going to put your point for best stunt? I gotta give my points to my point to battle lines on on for stunts for sure. I mean, it was, it was so well choreographed, and, every, and 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 it was, you know, why? Because you knew that there was no pretty much no stakes in any of these yeah. scenes because you knew everyone was just going to come back to life, and it was still captivating to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still felt very real, like very high stakes, even though there. Technically, it weren't any. There's going to die and come back to life. Um, but, but they're so well, well choreographed that it was still really interesting to watch. And I think that, actually that probably made it more interesting because it's like, dude, why are you guys fighting? You know, if it doesn't actually matter, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it makes it more ridiculous. You know, it highlights how ridiculous it is, that, you know, that they're in this endless war. Yeah. Yeah. Battle lines for sure. Okay. Battle lines. Catherine, where are you thinking your point goes yeah, I, uh, for best stunt? I think I have to agree. Just seeing it laid out as, you know, of all the episodes that stunt performers want to talk about, you know, that's the one that seems to come up the most. Um, yeah. That's just, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> you know, that um, that really says something, I think, that they enjoyed doing it. And I can kind of see why, because it's a different kind of fight to any other. In any other fight, you're always thinking about, I don't know, protecting yourself or... Mm-hmm. Whereas you've almost got to completely right. let go of that, and that I suppose that yeah, is they must have always had to really think in about the mind yeah. of the stunt performer, isn't it? I have to do this in a safe yeah. way, and and how do you act when even the person, when the person that you're pretending to be, just has none of that at all? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's no a good sense point. of self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah, and it showed. Point. And it showed in all the scenes that that's what they were doing, that these people like did not care if they lived or died. It, it really showed up mm. in the final product. Uh, and, the, and the attitude, I mean, the attitude as well to how they were speaking, you know, there's no, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. It was hard to negotiate a truce between them because they didn't, they didn't feel the need to give anything up. What, right. what did they have to lose? Because they were just, whatever happens, well, look, we can do this again tomorrow. I won't lose anything by being awful to you or not giving an inch because we'll just be here tomorrow doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, crumbs. Um, this is tough. This is tough. I, as much as I love the, uh, well, as much as I really think the the fight scenes and battle lines are amazing and they do look great, I'm quite struck by the leaping Klingons. <laughs> I, I really. I really like that as an they image, really funny. and I, I, I it stuck with me as I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely watched that again. 
just to see the Klingons have a jump. Yeah. And, I, and, and I like the fact that you could have chosen like a sword fight hands down, but instead you chose that bit where they jump down. <laughs> so, That's the one that sticks out in my mind too. <laughs> it's I, so funny. I'm going to pick day. I'm going to go for day of the dove for this one because I <laughs> like the leaping Klingons. Um, so at the end of round three, day of the dove is making a comeback with two points. <laughs> Battle Lions is still steaming ahead with seven points. Uh, but rounds four and five could could change everything around. Who knows? So, round four, uh, we're going to go for best doctor moment. Mm. So, uh, Catherine, would you like to start us off with your the best doctor moment from... Battle lines. Yeah, I, I guess I want to talk a little bit about Dr. Bashir in Battle Lines because this really mm. surprises me because this is probably one of the first episodes where he isn't just completely obnoxious <laughs> the whole time. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a little Yeah, it's it's hard to believe this is a season one episode. I know. I'm mm. watching it and I'm thinking, this is just this is just Bashir being, you know, a, a, you know, the later, yeah. slightly calmer, more mature Bashir. Um right. And actually, he comes across as really quite brave, and mm-hmm. you know he's determined, he's brave, he's intelligent, he's sort of everything you expect from a Starfleet doctor. And 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 I'm just looking at it, going, this isn't what I was expecting from season one. For sure, just <laughs> no, watching it in isolation, point. I'm like, oh yeah, he's actually not obnoxious in this episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably the most season one moment is the moment I'm going to pick. And that's the bit at the beginning where Cisco says that he and um, Major Kira are going to take Opaka through the wormhole. And he and Bashir just oh, invites yeah. himself along. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good pick. Oh, and I'm like, pick. yes, you are awkward and wonderful. And where would they have been if he hadn't gone along, really? <laughs> Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. They needed him. Well, I also think that that's a funny that was a really funny scene for the writers to put in, too, because they they needed the doctor for their plot (laughs) to to move along. And they still put in that scene where It could have been so easy for Cisco just to say, Oh doctor, would you like to join us? And him say yes. Like, this great bird, this great bird on Bashir. I think it's going to say something like, "Well, oh, we don't want to keep you from your duties, Doctor." (laughs) And Bashir's like, "Oh no, I'm good. Let's go." It's a slow day. I'll just come along. I mean, it's like this is you talk. This is you then having to spend the rest of the day with your boss, who's just told you to go back to work, and you said, "I'd rather come with you." It's just reminding very us funny pick. how annoying he usually is. is so, <laughs> so season one, Bashir, that's such a good pick. It was, well, it was nice. Sorry. Go for no, it. no, go ahead. Go ahead. It was nice to see Bashir not know something in this episode. There's that scene where he doesn't know anything mm. and he repeatedly just says, oh, I just, I don't know the answer. And I'm, and I'm sorry to say it again, but I, I really don't know what's happening or how it's happened. And he seems like, I like that honesty from him when he's just like, I, I really don't know what it is that we can do, but he does start to get a little bit annoyed that he doesn't yeah. know. Um, but I really, like, maybe that was the reason why he seemed a bit more mature because he has to admit to himself mm-hmm. and to everyone else that he doesn't know what's going on. And there's a way he could find out, but he can't get to it just yet. I like that bit too. 
Yeah, and I mean, he's a, Bashir. Uh, even in season one, when it, when they're on the front lines, you know, when there when there's a, you know, an immediate situation, he's always on point. You know, he he's he, he's he's always means business. Like he's always knows what to do and does it and helps in any way he can. And, and he, there's, there's no, you never see any of the naive, naive, naiveness isn't a word. (laughs) (laughs) Is that it? You know, know, out of him when it's actually hitting the fan, you know, he's always like, and I always appreciate that about his character. Mm. You know, you can always count on him when they're, you know, when they've crashed on a on an alien planet, you know, <laughs> in a battle. Speaking of the actual <laughs> crashing on an alien planet, the thing that always strikes me when the when the runabout is going down is how professional they all seem, and and I don't know why. Yeah, it's always this episode that it strikes me, and and it never does because obviously they crash shuttlecraft and runabouts all over the place in Star Trek, but this one it always strikes me they they're just doing their job. Hmm. And they're well trained, though, aren't they? They, they just they've probably been protocols for this for ages. Yeah, and and uh, Kai Opaka isn't trained for this, but she kind of knew something was going to happen, so just kept she's out being of the way. serene. <laughs> kept out of yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a, a great pick for uh, for best doctor moment. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so good. Jen, what did you have a best Doctor moment in Day of the Dove? Okay, so for Bones, in this episode, he also is kind of um, infected with the, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know what it, the, you know, whatever rage. mechanism, the vibes the, mm. the, <laughs> that uh, the ball of energy is putting out. Who knows? What it, you know, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never really explained. But when he gets when he gets mad at the Klingons, he's mad about how the Klingons are treating the the wounded. You know how mm-hmm. they don't just like how they kind of like keep. You know, oh, it's so gross and gruesome. I don't want to get into it, but you know, basically, what he's saying how like these guys were down and they're still you know, bludgeoning them with, with swords and things. And that mm-hmm. is the source of his anger of, you know, why he, he says, Oh, we need to kill all these Klingons. You know, he, he gets, you know, he gets infected and says, we need to kill all these Klingons too. But that's, that's his reasoning for why, which is an, inter- you know, a, it's interesting how they took his personality and just, um, just aggravated the, you know the aggression of it, mm-hmm. of the feeling. You know, like amplified. I guess the, fe- the feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, so he's pretty much. So he's still doing his job, but he is also kind of part of the the madness here. Um. But when they, my, but the moment I'm picking is when they he figures out like, oh no, you know, we're, we're these wounds are healing at an incredible rate. We can't die, and he figures it out. And and Kirk tells him what's going on, how they're all being manipulated by this this entity and and the first thing he does is apologize to spock for their earlier argument where he gets a little bit um Mm. racist (laughs) 
yeah, he's a little bit racist. And, and, and yeah, and so him and Spock, you know, went at it earlier. And and he the first thing he does is apologize. And that's my doctor moment for him apologizing to Spock about, you know, even though he was under the influence of this alien being, you know, the fact that mm. he still, you know, he he does his doctor thing, he figures everything out, and then he apologizes. And I thought that was a, a nice scene because then then Spock says this, you know, apologizes to him, and they have like a nice a nice moment. Um, and and I I really like that scene. So. It is not because because it, I mean I've, I've he said rude things to Spock before. Uh, I've yeah. heard him say things yeah. which perhaps I, th- I felt like he should have apologized about <laughs> right. Um, right. in the past. <laughs> but I, I did like that he actually took you know this what uh, you know he's apologizing for the things he said that are above and beyond and which were I mean they were they were they were too far and so it was good that he apologized and that he recognized that this is not something he would normally say uh, if he yeah. was if he was un- under under his own control. So that is a nice that is a nice moment and it is it's a nice moment for them too as well because probably yeah. we should have spent seen McCoy apologize to Spock a few more times. But then actually Spock is can be equally as rude to McCoy. He just does it at the very end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that moment really stuck out for me as well and yeah, I agree. I, I, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that they do, and and all those comments that Bones makes to Spock have have landed so mm-hmm. much harder for me since watching season two of Discovery. Yes, mm. and the whole you know the relationship between Spock and Michael Burnham, and all their history, and then you think, well, you know, Bones is one of his friends. Who gives right. him a hard time in the same way without knowing, and and so that apology really, yeah, yeah that yeah. means something. <laughs> right, mm. right, yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Okay, it's it's weird to think how the shows we're watching now are impacting the shows that were made fifty years yeah. ago, and it's clever. I love that. <laughs> it's clever how this is working. Yeah, so I, I'm still thinking about how Lethe connects to 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 uh, journey to babel all these years ago yeah. I, i'm absolutely loving that i love that connection yeah um okay before we start digressing about discovery let's <laughs> let's stick with ds9 and tos uh catherine whereabouts is your point going for best doctor moment i think as nice as it is to see a more mature um Bashir and uh, an amusing moment at the beginning of the episode. Um, I think mm-hmm. my point goes to Bones and uh, and Day of the Dove for this one. Okay, uh, Jen, well, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with Bones too. But it's funny, I didn't expect you to pick that moment. No, no, <laughs> and it was good. I, I, so I almost changed my vote. <laughs> When you pick that, <laughs> it's, so it's, it's just such a funny scene. It's so well acted too, because he has no idea that he's been <laughs> that he's not wanted. You know, <laughs> Cisco and, and and Cisco just you know, uh, Cisco, uh, Avery Brooks's delivery in that scene too is really funny. So that's a, that's a really really good good pick. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I really I really enjoy that that Bones moment so. I'm going to go with Day of the Dove for this one. Okay. 
Catherine, your pick for Bashir is hilarious, <laughs> and I thought it was brilliant. Um, however, I am going to give my point to the Bone Spock apology because uh, you partially convinced me, actually, Catherine, by relating it to all the stuff we're seeing now and how how different it all yeah. makes things. So I'm, I'm feeling the I'm feeling the love for the day of the dove. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to give my point to that as well. No, lovey dovey over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so end of round four. Day of the Dove is making a comeback. Had a clean sweep in round four. Day of the Dove has five and Battle Lines has seven. So Ooh. really all to play for in round five. And I'm glad now round five has come up because this is the time to start ceasing to wage war. Uh <laughs> trying to you know shake hands and make the best of it who is the best diplomat jen who are you picking for best diplomat in day of the dove okay well our man captain kirk got the truce (laughs) he did he did he got the truce so uh kirk is my pick here um he he does he's really good at knowing his opponent like that's not even because he's not really like an opponent like knowing what strategy would work like he knows mm-hmm. he has to fight him a little bit before he'll listen mm-hmm. to re- you know so they have a nice little you know <laughs> another another good sword fight uh <laughs> in the episode and um and he but he then you know he manages to convince him um he, you know, he asked for Mara's help to, you know, to help him get, you know, the temporary truce. He he talks uh, Spock and and Scotty down, mm-hmm. and manages, you know, when they're in in the midst of the the madness here, um, and and he does. He man, he know he knows that that they once he knows that the answer is to stop the fighting, not just because of course you want to stop the fighting, but because it's going to destroy the the entity or mm-hmm. weaken the entity then then he really he really knows that he has to that 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 to get kang to agree to that he has to he has to ne- negotiate on in a cling on klingon terms yeah sort of <laughs> No, and, then, and it works you know and it, and it works and and he manages to talk his way out he does he does need Mar- you know mara's tries to convince Kang to listen to Kirk, you know, which is, it's helpful to have her on his side. Mm-hmm. And then once, of course, the ball of light comes into engineering to, to watch the, <laughs> watch the fight, you know, and then it, it's kind of like, look, it's right in front of your face, you know, so that, that helps a little bit. Um, but that, that, mo- that last moment did confuse <laughs> me. So I wasn't sure whether the ball of light had always been visible or not. Yeah. It looked like it just like wandered in. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, almost like it couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah, like it couldn't, it couldn't resist because there's so much, so much violence, so going much on. violence going so on, much delicious so much good, violence, good, good, good yeah. delicious, tasty violence, oh, <laughs> great <day> violence. <laughs> he had to come in and see for himself, but um, so that you know, and then he uh, he gets on the loudspeaker to call the you know call the truce and and you know kind of intimidates kang into into doing 
doing the same thing. And I, I, I thought it was a nice moment because I thought he really recognized, like I was saying before, he he recognized how similar he and Kang were. And when he yeah. when he went over to the communicator and presses the button on the wall and he says, we're going to have a truce, and he sort of nods Kang over and Kang comes over and just oh. agrees to the same thing. And then they're having a, you know, and then they laugh at the end of the, the episode. They're, they're standing there <laughs> having a little belly laugh at the, the entity as it as it spirals at them. And he gives a, Kang gives oh, Kirk man. a big old slap on the back and yeah. Kirk takes it with a, you know, a, a funny look. I just thought that was a great. I, I thought Kirk respected him at that point, and that was that was yeah. important. He saw him as an equal. He saw him as a captain of another ship who had the same desires and values as him. And we see a lot. You know, we know that Kirk and the Klingons have a an acrimonious history, but I think in that at that moment he respected him and and saw that he was doing the right thing and making the right decision. So, and that's important, I think, for anyone who's trying to to make headway and negotiate and get to know somebody and see how they think. So I really like that. Um, Catherine, what did you have for, did you have anything to say about Kirk? Um, I think you pretty much covered everything. Um, I guess the only thing left to do really would be the comparison, but we'll leave, save that for the points, I think. Fine. Yes. Um, Then Catherine, if you could tell us what is the best, who is the best diplomat in battle lines? Yeah, so this one, I think Gut initially said, well, you know, was Cisco a good diplomat here? Mm. And, and I almost think he almost, he tries, he almost pays lip service to being a diplomat. But um, mm-hmm. but I think at this point, Deep Space Nine is very much trying to set him apart from Picard in, in yes. quite a big way. Yeah. And we really see a difference here. I think you know that, that the bit at the end where um, where Shellar is just saying you know oh, if you could reprogram the you know the the things that keep us alive so that we could finally die you know I could finally kill those <laughs> null for good and everything and and <laughs> Cisco just kind of just turns and walks away and, and just like yeah beam us up <laughs> we're not helping these people. Um, <laughs> So uh, I was like, yeah, no, he can't, he can't win. He's not even really um, trying <laughs> anymore. Um, so I think my best diplomat goes with, with Kyle Parker, who basically says, this is yes. where I'm needed most. Mm-hmm. You know, Bajor has got, got the emissary to take care of it. And I'm here <laughs> and I can't leave. Yes. So... I'm going to commit to this. And, and I think the only, yeah, the only way to win in that situation is to play the long game with those people. They've been doing that same thing for so long. They've forgotten how to yeah. do anything else. And I think she really sees that and she's going to have to live it with them to make any kind of progress. Uh, uh, other yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, that's excellently diplomatic, isn't it? To actually, go in there and be with the people you're having, you know, who you're trying to help and whose lives are trying to change. That's so important. Um, and she's she's willing to do that. I mean, I suppose her choices are limited, but she's doing it. She, you know, I get the impression she would have volunteered to stay there anyway, that she knew it was so important to do and she knew these people needed help and she could be the person to help them. Yeah, she's so great. I, the, these people need her. 
Mm. And she realizes that. And that's what she wants to dedicate the rest of her life to doing, to helping them. And it's it's such a Kyle Parker thing to do. <laughs> it's above and beyond. Even above knowing and beyond, yeah. that you know, the only alternative is to just leave and die. Mm, it right. still feels like it's a big ask to stay. <laughs> and and she does it. <laughs> and um, yeah. Right. So she wins for me on Battle Lines. Uh, Jen, where's your point going for best diplomat? Oh, Kyle Parker, for sure. Yeah. I, I I love Captain Kirk, and, and Captain per- Kirk gets stuff done, but Kyle Parker here, making the sacrifice she makes, knowing that she... I, I really think she's the only person who could ever get through to these people, mm-hmm. too. Like, <laughs> I can see her making headway here, but I, I couldn't see anyone else. You right. know? So, I mean, she's uniquely qualified she uh, she's uniquely qualified for this job and and she's willing to do it and she's pretty much a saint among us so Mm. (laughs) i love her and she gets my i'm I'm thrilled to be able to give her another point uh excellent one down for battle lines uh catherine where's your point going um oh yeah i was all set to give it to captain kirk (laughs) <laughs> and I've almost talked myself out of it. But, you convince but yourself. I, think, I don't know. I think the results in the moment make me want to give it to, to Captain Kirk. Actually seeing the diplomat in action and having some success during the episode yes. is quite satisfying. And so therefore I'm going to give it to Day of the Dove. Okay. Ooh, okay then. Um, I... I do love Kaya Packer and I do, uh, you know, the, the episode foreshadowed when, when you realize she can't leave the idea that she's going to stay there sort of becomes part of the story. Um, but I do, I really like the Kirk Kang relationship and I like the respect they had for each other. And I like the fact that they were the, they were the two captains trying to do the best for their crew and that Kirk used that, not just, he didn't use his skill as being a captain, but he used his empathy and his, you know, connection to somebody else in the same position as him. So I think I'm going to give my mind to Kirk as well, uh, which I didn't think I was going to do at the beginning of this, <laughs> at the beginning of this, uh, this section. So I'm going to put down a point for the day of the dove. And that brings us to the end of the battle and you can all rest easy. Um, just put the, put the swords down or laugh heartily. <laughs> As the swell vanishes, a, a sitcom um, laugh, you know, sitcom yeah. ending. <laughs> <laughs> and freeze frame. <laughs> okay, let me tally up these goodies. Right. So the final tally was it was closer than I think I thought it was going to be initially. Battle lines came away with eight, and day of the dove a very respectable seven. So wow. very close. Ooh. Day of the Dove pulling it back at the last minute uh, to get a few high-scoring rounds. Um, I do think Battle Lines probably deserves to win just because it's a pure emotional power. Um, and I, I did really enjoy it. So I'm pretty pleased the Battle Lines came came out on top. Hmm. Yeah, and speaking of pure emotional power, the, the only other... Um, 
the only other kind of category I had in mind was like was about powerful expressions of grief because we get mm. quite a bit of grief yeah. from um, from Chekhov, but then that very quickly morphs into you know anger and hatred. Uh, where and I, I figured that um, Kira would probably win on that score um, when oh, when the yeah. Kai passes and oh, it absolutely. has such an impact on her. Oh my gosh, that's so well acted too, because you could like feel her soul ripping in two, you know, <laughs> at the loss of the Kai, and it's you feel really, it, yeah. really oh. strong. Yeah, I thought I thought something we didn't talk about was uh, Ma- uh, sort of Kang's Kang's wife Mara. I, I thought his wife was treated slightly straight. You know, Chekhov. There was that horrible scene in the the corridor with Chekhov. And you're not, you know, I think it's implying that Chekhov is about to do yeah, something I, pretty I, serious. I, yeah, that's that scene is horrifying and unnecessary, and it's it's really frustrating to me that uh, this is this the second only the second episode of the original series um, that we've done that I've I've been the uh, the champion for. Uh huh. The first one was the Gamesters of Treskillian, and which also has an unfortunate uh, attempted rape scene. And <laughs> I'm like, really again? You know? Yeah. I just I, I, like note to anyone making any kind of entertainment: like, this is not a good plot element. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't add it doesn't add anything. It just was horrifying. And we already, we already got, I mean, I guess this, it, the point was probably just um, a sense of how far gone mm-hmm. he was maybe, but they could have gotten that across uh, the way they did with, I mean, with Kirk, like Kirk sees this and then that's when he, he then he starts knocking, you know, check off around. And then he realizes he, how far gone he is with the madness. And, but um yeah, but other than that, it was just unfair to Chekhov and to the character. It was unfair to the characters of Mara and to the character of Chekhov. Mm. You know, it's a, it's, it's a weird, a weird thing to do. And I thought the the later on when they sort of consider it briefly, I was like, that's not really a strong consideration. But I think yeah. that's a sort of a theme that runs all the way through Star Trek: The Original Series of how they treat their female characters is not great. Uh, yeah. And some of the things they do to them, you think, would de- deserves a lot more consideration, or right. uh, just an entire rethinking. Yeah, and, and some, you know, in some ways, that's what, TOS is very frustrating to do like a full rewatch of mm. for me, because <laughs> in some ways, in some ways, they're just so progressive and so great. You know, it's in many, many, many ways. That's why they, that's why it persists persists into this, you know, universe that we love today. But then there's just so many frustrating unwatchable parts <laughs> like that mm-hmm. and it's just it, so doing a full rewatch is is usually not as rewarding as you know just going to the episodes that i know yeah. i love <laughs> but um yeah but that's enough of that <laughs> there's enough God, good stuff that's a real downer wow. <laughs> yeah there's not, there's enough good stuff in this Got episode horrible talk about no, but it's just more reasons why it's um, it it's nice that Battle Lines came out on top uh, overall, even though we recognize the good things in Day of the Dove. I think that's how I feel too. Yeah, I, I mean Battle Lines. Ah, uh, I mean Day Day of the Dove is is fine, but Battle Lines is. I mean, to put, I, I still just I keep going back to the fact that this is a first season episode. 
and 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 the, the strength of this episode all the way through all the plot the acting the you know everything that we've talked about for this past you know past podcast is um is so is so deep space nine and so you know so good and i just love it i love battle lines yeah, <sighs> i think it's easy to look at it and think this could be any star trek crew stumbling across a planet but i don't think it could i think only cisco could have just turned around and, and kind of left and I think very few, very few characters would have had such emotional resonance. You know, you can't see, you know, say Data gets shot, for example, nobody's going to be leaning over his chest, beating his chest, weeping the way that Kira does that for Kaya Packer. You know, there's no, there's no other two characters apart from perhaps the relationship characters. You know, Torres and Tom, for example, they might do that later on. But... You know, very few characters would would uh, would actually have that emotional connection. And 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 this this is such a strong, important episode for Kira, uh, too. Like you, it, along with what you're saying. I mean, you you're not going to have another. I, I couldn't. You can't really do it with another crew where someone's so. Um, you know, Kara's like uh, so willing to just like like fight. Mm-hmm. For, for you know, like she's you know, she says, "Okay, you guys, we got to do this. We got to get this strategy and get the you know, get this going because it's just so so ingrained in her from what she's been through." And then she realizes th- this is like a turning point for her with that, with realizing that she's more than just what her circumstances have you know forced her into being. She's more than just a a fighter. Mm-hmm. You know, she's more than just you know because she because she, she you know she she's she's incredulous. What I forget who asked her. Uh, you know, but uh, but she's like it was probably Kyle Paca. You know, Kyle Paca's talking to her, and she she's like, um, "Do you see yourself in them?" She's like, "Oh, I'm nothing like these people." You know, <laughs> and they have that 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 conversation, and she starts to um, forgive herself almost. Mm. um and, and try to work through what has happened to her during the occupation and it's 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 a really important step in her character development so they throw a lot in there you can't you know you wouldn't really have that with if another crew had stumbled upon this situation i think it's something deep space nine does really well is having characters that don't feel like they're fresh out of the box you know it isn't like yeah. this person's story begins now when they get this assignment on this space station it's no these yeah. people are in the middle of their careers and th- there was stuff that happened before that's going to have an impact on them now but it isn't everything they're going right. to get something new out of this experience and yeah just something a- about kira in this episode it's it's her beginning to move away from that and it's one of the right. reasons i like seeing her at the very end of the show you know teaching other people what she used to know but you know what she yeah. used to do but right. she is clearly not that anymore right. I, I really like that way of thinking about it because i often think about particularly quark odo and kira <laughs> as characters whom deep the seven years we watch them on deep space nine probably the most important years of their lives but Mm. They're, they're there on Deep Space Nine before then as well. You know, Deep Space Nine didn't start with the arrival of Ben Sisko. Only that right. chapter of their story did. They were there already. And, you know, we go back and watch Quark and Odo. There's that, that episode where they go back in time through the vision uh, and they see Odo, uh, Odo's partner investigation. And you see them, you know, that was his life beforehand. He was on Deep Space Nine when it was Terok Nor. I absolutely love mm-hmm. things about that. But uh, we digress. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking too much about other great episodes of Star Trek. Um, <laughs> you can never talk about great episodes of Star Trek too much. <laughs> true. Well, thanks for one hell of a game. Well, I think that that sort of rounds us up, doesn't it? That's that's us. We've selected a winner. We've put down our categories, and we've come to some strong conclusions. Yeah, it was a fun conversation. It yeah, was thank very you. Good. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you. Thank so much you, for Catherine, us. for joining us. We'll definitely be calling upon you again. I'm sure. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, Jen. We've got ne- next next week. Good. Now that we've finished with the old business, on to the new. Time to hand out next month's story assignments. Ritterhouse, we're waiting! Okay, friends and neighbors, let's see what Uncle Roy has for you today. <laughs> next time on Snaptrack, your fantasies will become reality as we compare <laughs> Star Trek, the original series episode, Sure Leave, with Deep Space Nine episode, If Wishes Were Horses. the soundtrack for fantasy becoming reality (laughs) i mean i i yeah i I think that that brings a lot to mind (laughs) what what would pop up you know if i went on the shortly planet oh my god (laughs) it would just be it'd be so no one would be around it'd be so quiet a big stack of books Oh, I'm just a oh, massive. That sounds days. that sounds heavenly. Yeah, so, there would just be yarn as far as the eye can see, <laughs> <laughs> and I would nice. do so much knitting. <laughs> nice, man. Now I have to, I'm trying to come up with something that is a little bit less X-rated than what originally popped into my head. <laughs> you guys are such nice, nice intellectual. <laughs> well, we're only human. here. I mean. <laughs> All right, I'll come up with something by the, by the next time, time we comes, record the next episode. Well, next time I ask you, what, what's, what's your fantasy? What's your surely fantasy, Jen? Oh, I can't say. I will come up with something that I can say. Something savory for the family audience. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay, guys, it's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you both. Catherine, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. And Jen, wonderful as ever to speak to you. You too, Ross. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) So, Catherine, this is the thing. Like, we never know how to end the episode. We don't have, like, like a tagline. You know how some people just, like, have a final line? We need something intelligent to sign off with. (laughs) So we were just like, Bye. See ya. Jim always says, "I'll see you in this place where I'll see you again in this place where I belong," which is nice. It's a touch, a touch too serious for us, I think. We need something a bit, yeah. uh, a bit lighter. It needs to be something kind of card game related. Was there any phrase that was um, to do with like yeah. fizzbin or anything? <laughs> yeah, like you can pull out. You know, I, I weirdly watched that episode yesterday, except when it's dark, except on Tuesdays. You want a jack, or you want another jack, then you get a royal fizzbin, except on a Tuesday. <laughs> I love that scene. That, that is such a weird oh, episode man. as well. Just end with, and that's a royal yeah. fizzbin. <laughs> <And that's- laughs> oh my God, that's like actually that. quite good. 
<laughs> that is actually nice. Oh my god, you have to get a producer credit, oh, Catherine. Man. It's right. Yeah, here. <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's a royal great. fizz bin. I, I don't <laughs> think we're going to think of anything funnier or more suited to the, the podcast than that. Oh dear! Right, oh. right, okay then. I'm going to say it, <laughs> and that's a royal fizz bin. That's it. Cisco to O'Brien. Go ahead, Commander. Prepare the Yangtze Kion for launch, Chief. Kira and I are taking the Kai through the wormhole. Right away, sir. Thank you. I didn't want to keep you from your duties, Doctor. Oh, it's a slow day. All right. This way. <laughs>